Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Man, oh man, are you in for a special treat today for the first time ever we are doing not one but two shows on rookie wide receivers last week we covered rookie running backs but this week we cranked it up and even brought in one of our biggest guests to date not to put him on the hot seat or anything but we are really excited about him we'll introduce him in a second here on a special two-part episode of the breakout football podcast on the believe network sponsored by link me I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network alongside the jubilant Cole Topham of Chargers Wire. But we can't do a two-part episode alone. We had to bring in the big guns. You may know him from his work with FTN Network or on his Twitter or TikTok. Please welcome Josh Larkey. Josh, my man, we are so excited that you're here today. Guys, thanks for having me. The big guns. Wow. I, you know what? I haven't been called that nickname since forever. So excited <laughs> to be here. We're going to talk some receivers and yeah, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a nice two part series for everyone listening mm-hmm. at home. I'm, yep. Let's do I'll probably this. drop this episode on a Thursday morning. And then honestly, I probably drop them both at the same time might uh, separate the promotion aspect a little peek behind how we market the show so we're talking about first round receivers on this episode and there were one two three four five six of them we're going to run through each of them give some thoughts and then we'll get right into the second episode which will be a separate episode on however you listen to bfp whether it is on apple Podcasts, spotify soundcloud or whatever else is out there but before we get into each first round receiver give a couple sentences, a couple minutes on each prospect. What's going on, Cole? Again, I feel like I'm just casting you aside and rambling on for a little bit. What's going on, dude? Dude, I'm feeling great. Finished finals week. I know you're a recent college grad. We're also happy about you. Um, but yeah, I have my, my senior year, so I'm looking forward to that. But I'm excited about this episode, man. We're going back to back like Drake. I and mean, what more could you ask for? Oh, well, I... Don't think I could ask for a better segue than that, bringing up a Drake quote. And our first prospect is Drake London, the first receiver off the board from the Atlanta Falcons. Josh, should he be treated as the wide receiver one, or how are you valuing London in his rookie season? So I think for for Dynasty, he's kind of up there with uh, another receiver that we'll get to shortly. I'll mention him later. But I think he's one of the big two. And I think in redraft, uh, yeah, this is – he is, again, one of the big two that I think you should really be targeting. He's probably going to fall in like that sixth, seventh round of drafts where it's like you've mostly filled out your roster. Who's going to be that ultra high upside guy on your bench? And I'll tell you what I like about Drake London. Drake London did nothing but command volume in college. And he played basketball his first two years. Stopped playing basketball and just focused on football as a junior. And his receiving yards per game just ticked up year after year and demonstrated exceptionally high volume. He had over 70 receiving yards as a true freshman, over 80 receiving yards as a sophomore, and then 136 receiving yards a game as a junior. That is what I like to see. An offense can funnel through him. He had terrible quarterback play in college. It didn't affect his stats. And I'm I'm pretty confident that if it's Mariota, it's Ritter, 
hopefully a, a pretty nice prime rookie for 2023 throwing in the, the football. This is a guy that looks productive. He's got the frame. I kind of compared him to if Michael, Michael Pittman were just like a little bit more dynamic and a little more natural at football, he'd be Drake London. So I, I'm, I'm pretty hyped about him on the Falcons. And I think he and Pitts, they, they have the makings to be, I mean, they're probably not going to be Chase Higgins since, I mean, we shouldn't compare him to like probably the most, uh, the most exciting, best young duo in the NFL. But I think they, they have a, a pretty good chance to be a, like a close second where two, three years from now, I go, wow, you don't want to face the Falcons because Pitts in London, how are you going to cover these two monsters? So he's someone I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about. Atlanta slowly accruing a nice young talent there. Is it enough though, Cole, to make you want Drake London in fantasy? Where do you stand on this year's wide receiver one? Yeah, I, I see him in the same range as, as Josh. And to be honest, I think there's, there's just a lot of things to, to like about Drake London. I mean, especially since Josh went into full detail about his frame and, and his college experience. And I just think the margin for error throwing to Drake London is so low just because he has just this gigantic catch radius. He's a gigantic human being um, and obviously led the uh, country in, in contested catches and only played eight games. And so when you have two quarterbacks that have struggled with accuracy issues throughout their you know, NFL career and Marcus Mariota and college career and Desmond Ritter, what better target could you ask for for a guy that can literally spider web his way towards anything that you throw? And even if you do throw a bad pass, it's pretty likely Drake London will be able to adjust to the ball. So I love him for these two, um, you know, throwers of the football in this offense. And I just love him for just general all-purpose yards, move the chains, garner a lot of a lot of catches as a possession receiver because he should continue that in the league. Mm -hmm. Clearly. We love Drake London. We think he's a good prospect. We think he can do a lot of damage in the NFL. I think my concern, and I, you guys both kind of went took the, the pro side, so I'm going to play a little more devil's advocate, is that the Falcons last year, yeah, they were pretty pass heavy. They had the eighth highest pass rate in football with Arthur Smith as their new head coach. But to me, I can't see them being that pass heavy this year when you go from a gunslinger like Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota, who isn't a bad quarterback by any means. But I think they brought him in there with the idea that they're going to shift a little more to running the ball like Arthur Smith did so well at Tennessee. Of course, they don't have a Derrick Henry in Atlanta. This isn't going to be a run first offense, but... I don't know if they're going to be throwing the ball enough to where Drake London can replicate the exact production that, you know, Calvin Ridley was supposed to before he uh, left the team. I will say Atlanta does have nearly 17 vacated targets per game. So I still think London can easily come in there, be the number one target for Marcus Mariota. I just don't think he it will be the overall wide receiver one among this rookie class when the year ends. But I still like him. I still think he's one of the top rookie receivers. I'm not in love with any of these fits. Maybe you guys are, especially with the second wide receiver off the board. The New York Jets, we know they've been wanting a true wide receiver for a long time to pair with Elijah Moore, give to Zach Wilson in year two. And they took another Wilson with Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State wide receiver. You guys sang the praises of Drake London. Josh, are you still feeling that that same way with Wilson or are you a little more reserved in this fantasy value? 
value in his rookie season. So pre-draft, I said Garrett Wilson was my wide receiver one. I think he had the safest draft capital. There was no way he was making out at the top 12. And I thought he was just really, really good at football. And he went, sure enough, top 10 to what, what I believe is truly a bad landing spot. And I, the reason that I'm not, the reason I'm not fawning over this landing spot, like with Drake Lennon, where I'm like, oh, 50% target share for him and Pitts. There's no one else there. On the New York Jets, there is Elijah Moore, who I think had the rookie season that we would hope someone like Garrett Wilson can have. The dude was commanding like 25% of the team's targets during his insane five-game stretch before injury. We want Garrett Wilson to be Elijah Moore. So already that's concerning to me because I think, well, if I had to choose I, right now at this day and age, I would take Elijah Moore, the guy that showed he could do it at the NFL level. Corey Davis, do I think he's very good? No. Do I think he's going to be there and play this year? Absolutely. They bring in two tight ends, CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin. They're both competent. And then they draft Jeremy Ruckert in the third round. Are they going to play a lot of two tight end sets? I don't know. If they do, and they've got two tight ends out on the field, I don't know. Is it going to be Corey Davis and Elijah Moore? Is it going to be Elijah Moore and Wilson? There's a lot of issues there. And then this was the team that ran the ball the fewest number of times in the entire NFL last year. They were 32nd in rush attempts. So what did they do? They traded up to grab Brees Hall in the second round. And I don't know if we're, we're talking a, a run heavier team. We've already talked about the car target competition. And then you just stack the icing on the cake, which is that Zach Wilson has done nothing except be terrible at football. <laughs> I don't think he was the best prospect coming out. I think he was a reach at two. I think he is a first round talent. There, there's stuff to like there, but the, the rookie year was not promising. And to me, if you're telling me that for Garrett Wilson to be good, we're probably going to need Zach Wilson to be good, which we haven't seen yet. And we're going to need to keep the pass volume, even though they just drafted Brees Hall. And they've got uh, three competent tight ends now. I, I don't know. There, there's just a lot of obstacles for me to understand Garrett Wilson as a fantasy relevant piece this year. I think in dynasty, he's probably fine. He's a very good player. I mean, he was my wide receiver one pre-draft for this year though. I don't know. What do you guys think? It seems to me like, I, I feel like I named like six, seven, eight hurdles to Garrett Wilson giving us that, that full on tasty breakout in 2022. Cool. You got anything to add? Josh just kind of waxed poetic against uh, Garrick Wilson stands there. So Poor I don't, Garrett. yeah. Are you Cole? Are you going to shine some light on why Wilson can be good? Or are you with Josh? You just completely off the Wilson train. I think like the only way Garrett Wilson can be good is if he's like, Jamar Chase and can just, you know, succeed uh, immediately be the transcendent talent the second he steps on the field and just creates opportunities for himself. But I mean, like Josh mentioned, this is the pitfalls of trying to set up your, your early draft pick quarterback for success early in his career, right? You surround him with targets and the pitfall of that is, you know, there's just a lot of mouths to feed, right? And a lot of, a lot of money being spent and a lot of targets that are going to be commanded. And I think Garrett Wilson will command, yeah, a significant target share for the Jets. But my problem is I think just him and Elijah Moore are very similar players. And I think they, they play the same position pretty much, um, you know, they're route technicians, but, and along with Corey Davis, like they, they handed Corey Davis a pretty significant contract and you'd be remiss to, you know, not see him 
spend time at like the exposition and, and be like that focal point, that focal wide receiver for this offense. So for me, I'm just kind of, un, you know, taking a step back and trying to understand what Garrett Wilson's role in this offense is going to be. And like Josh mentioned, I think Elijah Moore is just the safer option at this point in time, because at least we know what he's done in this offense before. And all this could be a good omen for Zach Wilson. Like perhaps there's a case to be made that he is a sneaky, good late round pick in redraft in best ball. This could be an intriguing stack with all all the weapons we've talked about in New York, not the best weapons, but weapons nonetheless. Um, I'm kind of with you guys. I mean, I love Garrett Wilson. I think he's, he's, relatively pro ready compared to most of the other receivers picked in the first round. He can immediately slide into the jets offense. He can play inside. He can play outside. You can move him around the offense, scheme him touches, but like you guys touched on the offense is relatively limited. We don't know what the upside is here. And while you could certainly bank on the jets becoming the Bengals offense 2.0 i think a lot of people are going to fall into that trap and project them to be much better than they could possibly be i like wilson not a huge room for a big enough target share here of course injuries always happen but projecting injuries at this stage is pretty futile so i'm with you guys i'm not huge into garrett wilson this year on his teammate though chris olave who the saints traded up to get He's been a pretty polarizing player on Twitter. Some people love him from a fantasy standpoint. Some people hate him. Josh, I'm curious to see where you lie with Olave, the third receiver taken off the board. So I'll start off with a little bit of news that I've read is that Michael Thomas is still recovering from this ankle. I honestly don't know what's going on. It feels like the Will Fuller injury all over again. Where Will Fuller, he hurts his finger and the next thing he doesn't play. Michael Thomas sprains his ankle. And now here we are two years later, multiple surgeries haven't gone right. He might need another procedure. I don't know what's happening. Do I think that's good for Chris Olave? Yes. I mean, at the end of the day, like, sure, we want want the receivers out on the field that can draw attention away from the other receiver we like, but I don't think it's the worst thing that Olave might end up just being the entire featured part of this offense along with Kamara. So in in a vacuum, that's really good. Chris Olave, the prospect, he wasn't someone I was in love with. I think he's fine. I'm not a film guy. I'm a data guy. I've heard the film guys, they're in my ear. They let me know that Chris Olave is the best route runner in this class. (laughs) I will take that for for how I'll take that. But in terms of fantasy, what I worry about with Chris Olave is that he he is undersized, like a Garrett Wilson. They're very similar, both both a little bit small. But unlike Garrett Wilson, who they utilized on special teams, was returning kicks and punts, is dangerous in the open field, Chris Olave doesn't offer very much, if anything, after the catch. He's really fast, but if you touch him, he's probably going down and there's just not much of a precedent for the small receiver who can't create for himself after the catch to be super fantasy relevant. So to me, he feels kind of like one of these high floor, low ceiling players where I think he's going to get open. I think he's going to command a lot of targets and yards, but generally, if you want to be kind of that elite fantasy asset, you need to be able to do more than just that. You have to create on your own. And I think Calvin Ridley is kind of the exception for a skinny wide receiver who can't do much after the catch, having a super ridiculous fantasy season. We just don't see that very often. So I think Chris Olave is going to be pretty good. He's someone I'm going to be targeting in fantasy this year as uh, kind of a sneaky way to get some target volume, especially if Michael Thomas doesn't come back from his injury as quickly as some people think. 
but I just don't know if he has the ceiling of the, the first two guys that we've talked about up to this point. He was also a non-early declare. So, I mean, hey, congrats on your, your graduation. But you know what? With my wide receivers, I don't want them to graduate. I want them to play three years and get out because the numbers tell me that if, if you leave college early and you sacrifice your education, you have to be pretty damn good at football to do that. So, hmm. Olave, I, high, ceil- high, high floor, low ceiling for me. I don't what do you, where are you guys at with him? I love that you immediately established yourself as a data guy and how there's film guys out there because Cole is the film guy. He is the resident film guy of the podcast. He breaks down film like no other. His Twitter handle is early at him analysis. So Cole, I'm curious to see your analysis of Olave, especially because you've you spent a good amount of time watching him. So where does Olave fall in your fantasy radar? I mean, like Josh said, he runs pretty good routes. He's a premier deep threat. I think he can do a lot working, you know, inside zone defenses and being available for his quarterback. But like Josh mentioned, uh, like low or what What did you say? Uh, low ceiling or no, low floor, high. Well, no. What, what did you say, Josh? High ceiling, low floor. High ceiling, <laughs> low floor. That is exactly, you know who's, who that sounds like? A former saint in Brandon Cooks. And that was my comp for Olave coming out of college. And even in this Saints offense where there's a lot of opportunity for the reasons that you just mentioned, I don't really see Chris Olave breaking into that top tier of receivers anytime in his career. I think he's going to be a dependable, you know, wide receiver to Robert Woods and, and down from that category. So somewhere in that mix, I think that's where he's going to lie just because that's where his skill sets are tailored to. And that's how the offense is going to use him. He's not going to be a possession guy. He's not going to break into that upper echelon. Um, will he be reliable? Will he command, you know, a healthy amount of targets per week? Yes, but he's not going to be, you know, that, that, that guy's who's going to explode on a weekly basis. So to kind of add onto all of this, because this has been a really great discussion, I think with multiple different angles of each prospect. So I think one thing that we, we, can touch on more too with this is how do we project him in new Orleans's offense based on what we saw because as we know past indicators is a good indicator of what can happen but it's not a guarantee so looking at the saints offense last year they had the third highest rush rate so they were run heavy they were pounding the rock getting michael thomas back and trading up for chris olave tell me that they're probably gonna throw the ball a bit more especially with Jameis winston coming back however you feel about winston aside the saints clearly like him enough to where they brought him back right uh and it's also interesting that even in neutral situations the saints were still run heavy second highest rush rate in neutral situations last season so i like olave to an extent i think if you slot him into that saints offense you look at how many passes they threw last year there's still a good enough chance that he could put up low end wide receiver two high end wide receiver three numbers with michael thomas take out michael thomas then the upside's there. So I think his ceiling might be a little bit higher than you guys um, at least suggested. But I think we're all in the same boat here. We're not expecting anything great from him his first season, expecting him to be a fairly good player. For what it's worth, I love him in Dynasty. I think you come back in three years, he will be the Saints' clear, established wide receiver one. But for this season's purposes, I don't love him as much as the other receivers in the first round, but I definitely don't have him in the bottom tier as well. So those are the first three receivers off the board. We got three more coming in a second with Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, and Traylon Burks. I'm sure 
we all have one of these guys as the golden standard of fantasy receivers this year. At least I do. But real quick, when we're talking about golden standards, we got to talk about the golden standards of sponsors. Link Me is our beloved sponsor, L-I-N-K-M-E. They are one of the fastest growing social media sites on the planet, not just because they are a great way of connecting with people all around the world, but they're a link sharing app. This is great for people like me, like Cole, like Josh, who have all this type of content because we can put it on one page and suddenly everyone has access to that content. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Patreon, uh, anything, literally any type of content all on one page. You get a nice QR code. You can put that QR code out there. People scan it and bang, they see all of your content in one place. That's link me, L-I-N-K-M-E. So we are back here still on the Breakout Football Podcast, joined by Josh Larkey. I am Zach Cohen with Cole Topham talking about the fourth wide receiver off the board. A bit of a surprise for us draft Knicks that he was taken at this spot by this team. But the Detroit Lions clearly liked Jamison Williams enough to make the big leap from 32 to 12 to take him. Josh, do we love Williams in Detroit or is this a, is this a situation that may need to take its time before we fully reap the full fantasy benefits from Williams. So I think with Jameson Williams, sure. There's a chance that he is the, the, the hot waiver wire ad sometime at the end of the 2022 season. Cause he is rehabbing that 20 CL. I think he's probably more of a 2023 and onward play. Uh, Jared Goff is probably not the absolute best quarterback to set up Jameson Williams. Like I know people are like, Oh, look at Brandon cooks. Well, that was also with Sean McVay. And Brandon Cooks was also an established veteran who wasn't coming off of a torn ACL. So there, there's some parallels because it's Jared Goff and it kind of ends there. If we're talking about James Williams, the prospect, I think he, he probably has the highest upside in this class. I also think out of these first round wide receivers, he's one of the riskier ones. And here's kind of my, my thought process behind why I think he's the, the very high risk, very high reward type of player. He barely played his first two years in college. He had just over 100 receiving yards in back-to-back seasons. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't get me out of bed in the morning. To know that as a freshman and a sophomore, he's giving you 100 receiving yards over, over the course of the season. He transfers as a junior. He has to get away from Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson at Ohio State. You know what? It makes sense, right? How is he supposed to come in there and steal from those established guys? Fine, I get it. He absolutely dominates at Alabama. He has almost 1,600 receiving yards. Life's going amazingly until he tears his ACL. He's super fast. The worry with me is that we only saw it for one season, and we saw it as a junior. And I think the breakout was real. However, I think that inherently makes him a little riskier that we only saw it for one season. There's lots of players where when you thrust them into a starting role, they kill it year after year. There's also guys where they kind of, they might take a step back in certain years. And then you get to see their weaknesses a little more and that, Oh, maybe without the perfect quarterback fit and without the perfect team fit coach fit, suddenly the cracks begin to show. And I think that's why Jameson Williams. Sure. He's got the four, three speed. He was by far the best receiver in college football this past year. He was, it seemed like on most people's draft boards, he was the pre-draft wide receiver. Like he was the wide receiver one pre-draft pre ACL tear. But I do think that, the 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 upside's there. It's for me, I think there's some floor risk where he's a smaller receiver who really only had one good season as a junior. 
Yeah, Williams was my pre-draft, pre-ACL wide receiver one. And for as risky as it seems, that upside, whew, that's pretty good. But Cole, is it enticing enough to make you want him ahead of some of these other rookie receivers in fantasy drafts? Like, where do you stand on Williams, especially with the injury flux going on right now? I mean, just based on opportunity, maybe over over Garrett Wilson. But aside from the other two receivers that we discussed, probably not. Um, even though Jamison Williams, he was my overall wide receiver one um, from a film analysis standpoint, um, just because I thought he had intangibles that nobody in this class even touched. Just the way he can manipulate speed and the way that he was running um, by SEC defensive backs on his way to the house, I was just completely amazed by that. And it, and it's why the Lions fell in love with him and spent a whole lot of draft capital to move up and, and get him. So I think the one thing that's going for him is he and Amon Ross St. Brown, I don't think will cut into each other's target shares all that much because they do play very different positions. And Jamison Williams being the field stretcher and Amon Ra being the kind of, you know, in between the defense, move the chains, get the ball in his hands type, type receiver. So I don't think there'll be too much overlap. I think they play different enough positions like wide receiver positions that they're both going to command you know a pretty healthy target share but once again it's it's the subject of Jamison Williams's health and whether he can quickly transition to being a college football standout to an NFL pro um, in that time so definitely a lot of a lot of stuff to look out for there. Mm-hmm. I won't add anything else about who he is as a player. I think it's pretty well established what type of guy you can get. He can, he can break open an offense for sure. I think the thing that really is holding people back aside from his injury recovery, which may not impact him as much as people say he could miss a, maybe like a month or so, but that's still a whole lot of chunk of season left, especially if you're drafting in best ball. No, you know, we got the underdog best ball mania three going on right now. The Scott fishbowl coming up soon. I'm totally fine not dipping Williams's value too much in those, but for redraft purposes, I think the thing that keeps holding me back is what, what is Jared Goff? Like, what is he? The eye test. We're still asking this question. (laughs) Yeah. Does he pass it? No, he does not pass the eye test, but I found this stat really interesting when I was doing an article for the draft network. Goff actually had the fourth highest percentage of on-target passes. Now, this could be due to the fact that he led the league in the lowest intended air yards per pass. His passes were only sailing 6.4 intended air yards. That's a little bit of an inflated stat. But conversely, what that tells me is that, yeah, Detroit probably doesn't trust Jared Goff. But, but... This can also be true. They're they're scheming these low-risk passes to receivers because they don't want to take those risky throws with Goff. And for a player like Williams, whose run after the catch ability is insane, probably the best in the class, that's fine if Goff has taken those little dink and dunk passes. I will say, though, by the way, for a percentage of on-target passes, I did find it interesting that the three quarterbacks ahead of him Joe Burrow, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Justin Herbert. Some, so some variants and type of targets. I think this all goes back to Williams in this type of offense that Detroit is potentially setting up with Williams and then Swift, Jamal Williams, TJ Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown. Give it a year, and this could be a pretty darn good offense. Even now, I'm looking at them as a sneaky good stack, and I think that Williams could actually reap the benefits. I don't think this offense is going to hurt Williams as much as people say so that's how I feel about Jamison Williams it seems like we're putting ahead of uh we're putting him ahead of Garrett Wilson Josh he seems like you got one more thing you want to add about him though fire away bro 
So this is just for people listening, just a general fantasy take. I think Jared Goff is a sneaky late round quarterback, especially the people out there, the the hardcore sickos that are playing in a league where you start two quarterbacks. I think he is that perfect second quarterback. I think he's a great late round target. If you're doing like the underdog best ball, because at the end of the day, he is surrounded. Like you said, surrounded by weapons, Deandre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark was signed for this year. Jamison Williams, even Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond can play football. It is just a ridiculously deep squad. And that offensive line should be top five in the NFL. So I think just if I, if I'm just glancing, I go, I go, you know what? Yeah, sure. We don't know exactly what the JMO recovery is going to be. How are these pieces going to fit together? But I think golf could be in for, I think he's like a sneaky candidate to hit the, the 30 passing touchdowns this year, where it's still going to be a bad defense. They're going to have to pass a lot. They play in a dome and it's uh sneakily well above average weaponry. Come for the rookie receiver talk, stay for the free fantasy advice on quarterbacks. Josh, when we talk more about quarterbacks later this offseason, you're a top candidate to come back. Don't you worry. Uh, but we will continue talking about rookie receivers, including the next receiver on the board. The commanders traded back and took my guy. Oh, rest in peace, Jahan Dotson. He's going to Washington. <laughs> Josh, how do you feel about Dotson in Washington for fantasy this season? So I kind of thought Dotson was like T.Y. Hilton. Four-year player, small, plays a little bit bigger than his size, very productive in college, pretty fast. I mean, Hilton probably a touch faster than Dotson. This landing spot, though, I don't know what to make of it. Definitely not a fan. I don't know if it's catastrophic, but it's definitely not good in my opinion. Terry McLaurin's definitely, he's better. Uh, Very unclear with this Logan Thomas recovery, but if he's healthy, He's going to command a lot of volume in this offense. These running backs, I mean, they have two running backs that actually, I take that back. Brian Robinson, competent too. They have three running backs that can catch the ball. McKissick's going to be the third down back. It's kind of unclear how Gibson and Robinson will split work, but we know Gibson's a good pass catcher. And Brian Robinson sneakily had like 35 catches as Alabama's bell cow this year. Then there's Curtis Samuel, another wild card on top of Logan Thomas. We've got these two injury wild cards. I don't think Carson Wentz is very good. And it's kind of difficult to see exactly what Dotson's role can be. I think there, there's the potential for upside where it's like, hey, Logan Thomas, he's in his 30s now, coming off the ACL tear, dust. Curtis Samuel, yeah, he's 25, too many injuries, dust. I don't know. Like We could see that type of doomsday scenario where it's just him and McLaurin. But even in that situation, do we really want Carson Wentz as wide receiver too? We just haven't really seen him consistently supporting a lot of fantasy assets. So I think he's probably better in dynasty than redraft. I think he's mostly just a best ball dart throw towards the end of your best ball draft in a managed league. He, he just feels like the kind of guy that I'm just going to hold onto on my bench and then drop within three to four weeks when the production isn't flex worthy. Anything to add about Jahan Dotson, Cole? He can't, Josh kind of tossed water on any sort of flame that of the commanders. Pro- prop him back up. Yeah, yeah. Let's come on. We, we, me, and you. I don't have been think I can. Well, what you doing. said got me thinking. I was, I was trying to just these last few seconds to try and think of when was the last wide receiver two I truly wanted from from Carson Wentz that Carson Wentz was throwing to. I think it was Nelson Aguilar on the it was, Eagles. It was, yeah, it was that like one like seven ago. or eight touchdown season yeah. that Aguilar had randomly. Yeah. So I think or like three years ago. So yeah, I mean that that alone is just like 
you know, sending me back. And especially um, once again, there's like that position overlap between Terry McLaurin um, and Jahan Dotson. And if you look at the players drafted above Dotson, who I thought was a surprise first rounder, I didn't think he was going to go in that range. Drake London, probably the best second contested catches. Garrett Wilson, best after the catch. Chris Olave, best routes. Jamison Williams, best speed. Jahan Dotson isn't elite in any of those categories. Um, even the player that was drafted after him, Traylon Burks, you could argue he was the most versatile wide receiver in the draft. Jahan Dotson didn't have this headlining trait where you could assign to him and say, you know, that's what that's what you can make for him, like the argument for him as the best wide receiver in the class. And so I thought it was a surprise to see him go that high, and especially to, you know, this offense, which, you know, honestly, we might deem dysfunctional at some point in this season with Carson Wentz at the helm and whatever they decide to do with the offense and the the running game is lacking identity as well. So there's just a lot of moving pieces in this, in this Washington offense. And I just, I'm wondering how Jahan Dotson is going to fit in all of it. If we were going strictly off of vibes, then Dotson would be (laughs) in all avoid. No way. Uh Uh-uh. No, sir. Not taking a commander's receiver. It's interesting to me because I'm like thinking about why I don't like this fit. I'm like, oh, shaky quarterback, uh, wide receiver two behind a wide receiver who may not even be there this season. He may not even play for the commanders this season. Who knows? Uh, some wild card players are also there, like Logan Thomas, Curtis Stanley, you said. And I'm like, well, shoot. I mean, I can say the same thing about Chris Olave, too. But what you both alluded to, especially you, Cole, you literally just said it, is we can't bank on the commanders having an efficient offense. And that's not necessarily just Carson Wentz's fault. That's just look at what that offense has been like under Ron Rivera. Whereas the Saints, going back to Chris Olave a little bit more too, is they seem to always figure out a way to get it done. I mean, they were almost a playoff team with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill tossing the rock for them, you know? So kind of going back to Dots and look, he can come in there and he can have a defined role, which we don't know what that role will exactly entail, but he can go in there, immediately become Carson Wentz's wide receiver too. Heck, Wentz could come in and look like his MVP self in some slim possibility that actually happens. But this offense, man, like, I don't know if I want a single share of it. Like, I think that's what it comes down to. I love Dotson and Dynasty. It pains me to, to speak poorly on his name. I'm, to- I'm out on Dotson this year, and it really pains me to say that. But there is one rookie receiver. And it's ironic that he is the last one. Uh, The last rookie receiver to be taken in the first round seems to be the crown jewel of this rookie receiver class purely based on landing spot. I am curious to see what you two think of Traylon Burks to Tennessee. If you think he is the overall, could be the overall wide receiver one from this rookie class, or if you think, are cooling off a little bit more on him. So, Josh, the floor is yours to finish out uh, the first of our two-part series on rookie receivers. Burks, Tennessee, you like it, you love it, or you're totally out. So I hinted earlier when I talked about Drake London, he was one of two. The other is Traylon Burks. They're, they are in my upper echelon tier for the, the immediate high-impact, also high-ceiling wide receivers in this class. And what I like about Traylon Burks, yeah, he's raw. He's going to need to develop his game more. His route tree was a little limited. Maybe that was a product of the Arkansas offense. Maybe that was a product of his skill set. Maybe both. But I'm a simple guy at times. And do you want to know what I saw? I saw everyone give Traylon Burks 
the AJ Brown ceiling comp. When I did my analysis, hey, they, they look pretty similar. Similar build, productive in college, good draft capital. And what happened? The Tennessee Titans traded away AJ Brown and then immediately, immediately selected Traylon Burks with the pick that they got in return. That to me feels like a team that has a plan to use him a whole heck of a lot, like his ceiling comp, AJ Brown. Compared to these other rookies that we have talked about, I'll rifle through them. Drake London, Marks Mariota, Garrett Wilson, Zach Wilson, Chris Olave, Jameis Winston, Jameson Williams, Jared Goff, Jahan Dodson, Carson Wentz. Those are five probably below average quarterbacks. I happen to think Tannehill is above average. The stats kind of support that. I think he passes the eye test. He wasn't even that bad last year when A.J. Brown was in and out of the lineup with injuries and Julio Jones was showing his age. He was throwing to Nick Westbrook sometimes as his wide receiver one with no Derrick Henry in the backfield. And the offense still did something. I think Tannehill is good. Out of all those six round one wide receivers, this is by far the best quarterback in an offense where we saw how they utilized A.J. Brown. I think for Dynasty, he and London are in the top tier. And I think that Burks, to me, is the best receiver for year one for redraft. This is the player that you want, where all the quotes coming out from Vrabel are, yeah, we're going to force feed him targets. We're going to use him like A.J. Brown. And I kind of believe that. There's nobody else there. Robert Woods, torn ACL. He's 30. Nick Westbrook, terrible. Austin Hooper, really? That like is this? That's the tight end we think is going to take targets from the first round receiver. Derrick Henry does not catch passes. Dontrell Hilliard came out of far left field. Like who? Who is catching these passes here from a competent quarterback? Give them to Traylon Burks. Okay, pro Traylon Burks, right there, Cole. Are what what is there to add i mean you can Gosh, just put that all in a plaque it. right now like sheesh trail on burks i know the film people they, <laughs> they they don't always like trail on burks <laughs> hey i love trail on burks uh mostly just because arkansas they just they knew what they were doing with them they're like oh yeah we have a 6'3 220 pound receiver put him in the slot against the young guys or against the short guys so yeah i'm i really like Traylon Burks, and I also had the A.J. Brown comp as, as a, a little little diet A.J. Brown that needs a little bit of, of route tree work. Um, understandably, Raw is a prospect, like you said. But, I th- yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity for him um, in, this, in this offense and where he can be in a, an immediate number one threat potentially. Um, we're just going to have to see how his, has his adjustment to the NFL goes. But for me, it, it didn't really take long for me to sift through Traylon Burks' film and be like, wow, this guy has major issues. I saw a player that was dominant at his position um, that passed the eye test for me pretty fast. And I was like, yeah, that can be a, a special receiver for someone um, at the next level. So I'm glad it's the Titans because I feel like he's a he's a great fit there. And he potentially could have a, an even more dynamic quarterback and Malik Willis throwing to him. But that's not to say Ryan Tannehill can't make things work in his first year. Mm-hmm. Traylon Burks, wide receiver one in Dynasty and in redraft from this rookie class. It seems like we're all kind of in unison there, at least. I don't really have much to add. I mean, look, A.J. Brown, people are going to be making a big deal about, oh, Burks isn't exactly A.J. Brown. Don't expect him to come in and replicate his success, which you shouldn't. By no means should we expect Burks to immediately be A.J. Brown 2.0. But the possibility is there. And even if 
Burks doesn't see A.J. Brown's target share. Brown's target share, I think, was the fourth highest among all wide receivers. Um, and he had the 13th most targets per game. Let me see. Yep, 8.1 targets per game on average. 13th most among all wide receivers. Even if Burks sees like a fraction less of that, he can still easily come away with the largest target share among all these rookie receivers. Tannehill, not a bad quarterback. Not a great quarterback, but... It's a good enough. AJ Brown could do it. Maybe Burks can do it as well, especially with his versatility. I would like to imagine Mike Vrabel and co get a little more creative with Burks than they did with AJ Brown. Still, we're pretty creative with Brown, uh, but Burks comes in. Love him. I think if you are trying to take a rookie wide receiver, as you should always do, this is the guy to take. So those were all the first round receivers. And I did mention, as we did multiple times, this is a two-part episode. So cold normally... I'll say you get the last word in the episode. Not today. I think we're just going to end it right around here. But we, I will say for those that don't have any interest in second round receivers uh, and they decide not to listen to the wise words of Joshua Larkey, Josh, mind plugging yourself real quick, telling people where they can find you and how they can consume more knowledge from you. You can find me on Twitter at jlarkeytweets. Just search Josh Larkey. I'll, I'll probably come up. And you can find all of my work exclusively at FTN. So just go to FTNFantasy.com, FTNDaily.com. That's where you'll generally catch my work. I'll have a lot of stuff coming up soon as we have a data product that we're we're kicking off soon on FTNData.com. But I would say for the people listening, you're probably a fantasy football fan. FTNFantasy.com. You can see all of my rankings there for best ball redraft. I'll have projections up soon. I'll have a full best ball guide coming at the very beginning of June. So that's a fun project that I'm doing for the month of May. So that is where you can find me. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited for round two. Yeah, excited to check out all that work. And if you want to check out the work that Cole and I do, he is at ham analysis on all social media. Cole Topham, T-O-P-H-A-M. I am Zach Cohen, F-B. Z-A-C-H-C-O-H-E-N-F-B. We're both on Twitter and TikTok. Feel free to reach us out. My work will be on the Draft Network. But until then, until the next episode of the Breakout Football Podcast, which hopefully you'll listen to soon, feel free to uh, drop a review. Let us know how poorly we did. Uh, Cole, I changed my mind. You still get the last word. It's still a thir- the 35th episode. So send us into episode 36, where we will talk about every other rookie receiver picked in the second round and a couple of our favorites picked in the late round coming up in the next episode. But Cole, you get the last word, my friend. Second round receivers, episode 36. Stay locked, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.